0: Today's scripture reading comes from Hebrews eleven thirteen 13 through 16, and 13, 10 through 16. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, They would have had opportunity to return instead they were longing for a better country a heavenly one therefore god is not ashamed to be called their god for he has prepared a city for them we have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat the high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering but the bodies are burned outside the camp and so jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside of the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name, and do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices... God is pleased. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Well, friends, um, let me open with prayer as we listen to this scripture passage. Heavenly God, we come realizing that the world puts us in many different places, and you have led us through many different journeys. There are people at City Life who feel like they're in an extended season of deconstructing their beliefs and wondering if they can ever believe or get back to something that seemed maybe so pure and simplistic once upon a time. Others are maybe feeling like they're meeting you for the first time. They've never never really knew you could be so real or never really knew that they would have such a draw towards you. Some of us are passionate in the moment for what we read in the Bible. Some of us are turned off by things that are confusing. And some of us are going through times of rest and renewal. And others of us are just, a lot of us are disoriented, discouraged, or just exhausted by having to constantly go with plan B because of the Delta variant or wildfire smoke, and in this mixture of all of it, may we find right now through the, the ex- exhortation to the people of Hebrews, through this letter that we're exploring, we're listening for your voice, would you meet us each now? Would, it be, would, it, would you make us aware that you are speaking into these different places with your grace, your transformative, undeserved, Grace through Jesus Christ. We pray in His name. Amen. So, I don't know. I'm sure. I'm sure most of you have. Um, most of you have seen a movie where there's the scene with the the switch, the switch of the briefcase or the or the suitcase. It's it's the scene where you're you know like a James Bond type movie or Ocean's Eleven type movie and. You're convinced that um, the bad guys are going to get the thing, the tr- you know the treasure, the value, the valuable thing. They're going to get it. In fact, they do get it. Except then all of a sudden there's this amazing relief and aha moment where ah there was a sneaky little switch, and it was a decoy briefcase that they got. And, you know, to your great relief as a movie watcher, you're following the good guys and you're just so excited that the bad guys didn't win out. They didn't get it. There was a trick and they, you know, the bad guys got the decoy thing and they realized to their dismay, nothing is in the briefcase or just paper money instead of real money. You know, you know, the drill. It's probably in dozens of movies. What I don't know if you realize, but in the the body of Christ for Christians, we have the opportunity every day to have that kind of experience. Because it's almost as if the world around us, it's almost as if there's a bad guy constantly trying to make us feel like our treasure is getting stolen. You know, a bad guy who's constantly saying, aha, I've got your treasure. And for the Christian, there's the sort of wake up moment of, no, actually, that's a decoy treasure. That's not, that's not it. I still have it. You know, my retirement account, the stock market went like this. Wait, but that's not my real treasure. You know, that legislation that I was telling my friends about and I was maybe working towards it happening and it didn't pass. And it's truly disappointing. And yet, wait, it's not my it's not my deepest treasure. That politician who's, you know, didn't get elected or who won't make it because of the recall one way or the other. Okay, that's really disappointing. Oh, but it's not my treasure and on and on and on my employment, my house, my car, my transportation, the way my kids turn out, the way my marriage you know, is way less satisfying. I thought marriage would be easy and and full of wonderful days of romance and flowers. And I didn't know it was gonna be so hard. I didn't know it was gonna fall apart or I didn't know I wasn't ever gonna be able to experience the joy this far into life, the joy of finding someone and on and on and on. Oh wait, that's not my treasure. Decoy treasure in a sense. And as we read this passage, we get get this crucial image that, that helps us so much. Um, in a sense, it's really two images. There's the image of the, the foreigners and strangers language, and then the image of the city language, of their, you know, city of God, city of man. But in verse, in 11 verse 14, I'm sorry, verse 13 says, they were foreigners and strangers on earth, all those people of faith. They were foreigners and strangers on earth. The, probably the best literal translation, I'm told, is resident aliens, resident aliens. It's kind of like we're all, spiritually speaking, we're all uh, living out an experience that's very similar to those refugees pouring in from Afghanistan. And the book of Hebrews, we've been going through it over and over, week in and week out, and it's been telling us that, hey, when COVID hits, when there's fires, and then the Delta variant, when all of this is hitting, what do you do? Well, it, for, the, for the body of Christ, for Christians, actually, the book of Hebrews is pushing and encouraging people in just our kind of situation to say the body of Christ doesn't just sit around and lick their wounds and shore up their earthly treasures, but we are being given a moment of potential clarity, a a moment to stop and have great clarity. It's almost like these struggles are a gift to us because they force the question of our treasure. Where is your treasure? Oh yeah. Yeah my treasure, none of these things are threatening my treasure, go back to my treasure, and for the Christian, of course, the treasure is in how it all shines back, it all leads back to the cross, and how on the cross, Jesus, the prince, God, you know, in a sense, the son of the king, gives up his relationship with the king, so that we can have it, You know, momentarily experiences the abandonment to be an outsider outside the camp, as our passage puts it, outside the city of God, so that we can be absolutely guaranteed to be brought in as princesses and princes of the king. We have a kingdom. Our kingdom is not this kingdom here. We have an ultimate kingdom that's expressed. And that's ultimately what we're driven back to as Christians. There's this place, um, a lot of times people quote, this, a little text in Jeremiah 29. I'm sure you've heard it, and it's, it's one of the, you know, it's stitched on little crochet things and pillows all over the homes of Christians throughout the world. I know the plans I have for you, but you know what happens right before that? Right in that same chapter, there's something extremely interesting that relates exactly to what we're talking about today. When God speaks to these exiles in Babylon, You know, they're just like those those refugees from Afghanistan. And the message God says to them, to these exiles, he says, build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce. You know, get married, give your children into marriage, and also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers you to will prosper. And now this is sort of the other side. There's a tension in this. There is a sense of this city is not our city. We have an ultimate kingdom elsewhere. And yet, there's this other side of it. We are residents, not just aliens, but residents. We are planted. You know, God's called to plant your roots in and live here. God has a purpose for your life and for your place here, but it's not like the rest of the world lives. Your purpose is a powerful opportunity to shine in utterly surprising ways, to bless rather than to hoard and grab and say, mine, this is how I'm gonna get ahead. To be a group of people, unlike anyone else who understands when we look at people pouring into our city from another country, households, families, individuals coming in wounded, lost, losing their homeland, A group of people like us who sees these Afghan refugees and say, hey, let me let me help just one refugee to another one resident alien to another. Let me pour out of the abundance of my unthreatened treasure to help you. And God is apparently leading, in my sense, my sense right now, God is leading a lot of us at City Life to consider um, how we can help and how our faith pours over into the lives of others right now in this moment of crisis. And because so much of conversation is bubbling up together and and these passages have been almost pre-selected by God right for this, a moment we couldn't have predicted. Um, I wanna talk specifically about this and not myself, but I wanna pass it over maybe we'll do interview style to Tasha and Zach who have some experience working with Afghanistan refugees here in Sacramento. So we just wanna end by just getting a picture of this. So Tasha and Zach, hey, how you doing?
2: Good, can you hear us?
1: Yes. Why don't you tell us about when you got involved and what you started doing
3: um, and what organization you were working with? So there's a little bit of a, two starting points, because I, um, when I was in college, I was an intern for World Relief uh, in Wheaton, Illinois, and helped with all sorts of things, um, collecting furniture donations, setting up apartments, picking refugees up at the airport taking them to um, get social security cards or things like that. Um, and I then after college, I worked for them for a couple of years. And then when we moved out here, um, there's a World Relief Office in Sacramento and we struggled to make time for a while, but eventually um, got time to talk with them and go through their volunteer training and, uh, gets matched up with the family from Afghanistan and it was what was called their good neighbor program. So we um, a couple times a month would visit with the family uh, usually at their house until they got a car which was only right at the end. And it it was only what, six months? Like a six month program? Um, Do do you wanna hear more uh, details or which part should we focus on? That's awesome. Yeah. Now I'm just soaking it all in. Um,
1: yeah. W- like maybe just uh, maybe almost like just zero and telescope into, uh, you know, to one glimpse of it, whether that's yeah, uh, some details through, like, or whether that's a story. Yeah. Go ahead.
2: Um, so a lot of times we would go over to their house and um, Sumaya was the woman and she would prepare like this elaborate meal for us and the food was so amazing and every time like we felt like kind of guilty for coming over and for having to work so hard and but they they value hospitality so much and so they were just so generous um and we really enjoyed their food um and then a couple times we tried to either cook for them at our house or like bring takeout from panda express or something and sumaya was like what is this food? <laughs> so, like, the practice of like being humbled by like all of the work that she did and then being humbled by how much she hated my food. <laughs> so it was just one of those funny cross-cultural experiences.
1: <laughs> that is that is awesome. That's a that's a great way to put it. Um, because it I it's a cross-cultural
3: experience, isn't it? when you do something like that and they spoke very little English the um the husband spoke at at least four languages so they're ethnic Uzbek I believe they spoke Uzbek um they generally spoke Dari which is like Persian it's kind of the trade language in Afghanistan um Mm. he had worked with a Turkish construction group or something like that that was contracting with the United States which is how he was threatened and got his special immigrant visa to come over so he spoke decent Turkish i think he had spoke some Russian at some point uh and then he had some phrases of English but a lot of the time um they they really wanted to express themselves and communicate so we both would just sit there with google translate open and then you know type it in get the translation and play and sometimes we'd have to sort out like homophones and things like that um Uh, yeah, homonyms, and I, I, I got to do like some
2: ESL <laughs> training with um, Sumaya because she, for whatever reason, was not able to attend the classes that were available to her. So she and I worked a little bit one-on-one um, and she was so nervous, but she was such a quick learner. And then she also got pregnant in the middle of our relationship with them. And so I got to go to some of her doctor visits and like see her ultrasound and help to translate. And it was a really special opportunity just to help them feel less alone in the medical system because it, it was, I just can't imagine having gone in there with not speaking English um, and it just was, it was tricky. But, um,
3: Did they use the translation thing where they, they call up like a yeah. translation service on speakerphone to translate for them, but still not?
2: Even just getting <laughs> checked into a medic is, yeah, they, they go through so much. Every single one of them that comes here has so much bureaucracy to navigate. And even just helping them interpret bills that they got in the mail or junk or mail. Even. Junk like, Yeah. Is,
3: is this a bill? Is this important?
2: Just oh. the simplest things um, are so helpful to them. Um, but then that's we can awesome. also share about some of the volunteer opportunities that World Relief has right now. If that would be helpful.
1: Yeah, I would say that's that's really helpful. Go for it.
2: So they still have the Good Neighbor program. Like, so if you, if your family wanted to be matched with an Afghan family um, and they also have one where um, they would have like a team of five to 10 people, I think it was.
3: Yeah. And it's basically often based around church, small groups. So like like if if we had a small
2: group that wanted to come alongside an Afghan family and just provide that support with less pressure on individuals to, you know, be doing so much um not that it was like a lot of work by any means but um those are two options for like interacting and then also airport pickups I think they have a pretty big need for Mm -hmm. arrival transportation and Zach has done some of that just like occasionally
3: here in Sacramento so when I did it back in Illinois we had these big 15 passenger vans and I would drive them as a staff person here they usually send a staff person to be a translator just with a a car and then they have a couple more people come along with cars and somebody's car gets filled up with all the luggage and then the other people's cars get filled up with um, refugees new arrivals and they'll provide like car seats and things like that wow that's amazing well that's I mean oh, I don't yeah. even... okay so Judy oh, yeah.
2: for... Judy's talking in the chat they also were doing the good neighbor program I think when we were so if people have questions, I'm sure
3: they can get it an yeah. too. That's great. Awesome. Well, in the airport run, you know, they we did that recently. And um, most of the time it's week nights, weekdays, weeknights. Yeah. So you know.
1: Yeah. Good. Yeah, it struck me, it strikes me as we've had a lot of people who have been connected to city life who have have just been little quiet angels doing this amazing work on the side, so um, share the wealth of what you know. And I know that uh, Lisa Holland has reached out kind of on behalf of City Life to say, to their you know, their coordinator with congregations, to say, how can we help? And maybe others have reached out. So if you've been reaching out or if you would like to just find out a little bit more um, and join our prayer time after the service, um, that would be, I think, a, a next step. But um, thank you, Tasha and Zach and Judy for sharing Thank you for taking some time um, and finding some magical way for your children not to be interrupting. Uh, grandparents. While you're... <laughs> the magic of grandparents. <laughs> awesome. Let's, let's, let's pray a moment here as we wrap up. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for the message uh, today from your scripture that um, we are hearing and lead us by your Holy Spirit to be um, co-refugees. Um, with others in this world. Help us not to imagine um, that it is a um, one person pouring into an empty person, but that it is a cross-cultural experience if we embark upon serving you in this way. It is something in which um, we are so empty ourselves. We are so limited in understanding you and your journey of suffering to the cross when you, took the, when you took the role of an outsider who is rejected. And we are so empty of knowing you through that, that we actually have much to learn and we have much to find out. And we have so much more to grow through um, being in relationship with others of other cultures and other experiences. Um, so guide us as a church into serving
3: you in all the ways that you are leading us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.